You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, what a great joy to be back with you all this week. Uh, It's been a while since I've been here, and a lot has changed. Uh, I was, somebody took me on a little drive around town today. I'm, it's fabulous, all the wonderful things happening. So, uh, in town and certainly here at the cathedral. So, Andrew, thank you for this invitation to be here. Well, After centuries of handling and mishandling, most religious words have become so shop-worn, nobody's much interested anymore. So wrote Frederick Buechner back in 1993, and I think that he was right. We, especially clergy, tend to use churchy words in well-meaning but often vague ways. We sense their goodness, but we often don't have a very clear definition of them. And an increasingly, in an increasingly secular word, world, I think that we need to reconnect with these God words so that their full importance and wonder can once again speak not just to our hearts, but perhaps more importantly, to the hearts of all of those who long for meaning and are looking for God. So that's what I'm going to do with my sermons this week. We're going to look at a God word each day so that we might perhaps recapture the wonder of them. And the word for today is blessing. So a reading from the book of Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The word of the Lord. Well, this is an iconic passage of blessing in the Old Testament. In fact, it's such a significant passage that in one of the earliest extant biblical passages found written in Israel contains this. In 1979, the great Israel, the Israeli archaeologist Gabriel Barkai was excavating an Iron Age tomb on the hill overlooking the Hinnom Valley in Jerusalem. And he found in there a small silver scroll dating to around 600 B.C. And this blessing from Numbers was incised on the thin silver in ancient Paleo-Hebrew script. 
Dr. Barkai believes that the man buried in the tomb would have worn the scroll as a necklace, a precious reminder of God's blessing. In other words, this passage was so important that in 600 BC, someone took the time to hammer out a thin piece of silver and write this blessing on it that they might carry it with them wherever they went. This blessing is often referred to as the priestly or Aaronic blessing. However, it's important to note that this blessing is not from Aaron, but from God. The priests are merely conduits. God makes this clear at the end of the passage when he says, So they, the priests, shall put my name upon the people of Israel. And who will bless them? God says, I will bless them. Today in Israel, the Kohanim, the Jewish descendants of Aaron, pray this blessing over the people gathered at the Western Wall during the High Holy Days. And to make clear that it is God and not they who bless the people, they cover their heads completely with their prayer shawls. Then they raise their hands under the shawls as they pronounce the blessing, a sign that it is not they, but God doing the blessing. That it is God who does the blessing and not man should come as no surprise to us. Indeed, no one else really can offer blessing because everything that exists is from God. Therefore, every blessing and good gift, be they material or spiritual, comes from God. The blessing may be spoken by a human, but all that the blessing conveys is first, foremost, and always from God alone. So even when we read in the Hebrew Bible of Abraham blessing Isaac or Isaac blessing Jacob, all they were doing was merely praying that the gifts God had given to them would pass to their sons. But what exactly is blessing? Well, in the Hebrew Bible, God's blessing usually describes material and physical gifts given to his people. For example, Deuteronomy 28, as God is laying out his blessings for Israel as they prepare to enter the promised land, the blessings include national security, international status, children, land, rain that will ensure healthy and abundant grain and fruit crops, as well as healthy livestock. Now, it's easy to start thinking then that this is some sort of earthly prosperity gospel blessing, but it's not. Rather, God gave these blessings out of his loving kindness for the survival of his people. Remember that the Israelites were a relatively small tribe of semi-nomadic people who were fleeing enslavement. 
They were often adrift in incredibly harsh landscapes, surrounded by hostile nations and greedy bandits. Life, plain physical survival, often hung by a thread. God's material blessings ensured their survival. Without those blessings of material good, the story as we know it would have ended. But the material goods were not the goal or the end of the blessings. Rather, they merely created freedom. Freedom from want, freedom from fear, so that the people would have the time and the space to worship God and fulfill their purpose to be his witnesses in the world. In other words, the material blessings are given so that they can be with God and do the work that God has given them to do. Sadly, however, the human heart, being what it is, tends to lead us to two faulty conclusions in the face of such blessings. First, we think that we, and not God, are the author of the blessings. Indeed, God warned Israel against this very thing. And Deuteronomy 8 reads like this, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, that your hearts be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power... And the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. God gives all the blessings. Let us be humble enough to remember that, which brings us to an interesting connection contained in the Hebrew root of the verb to bless. Now Hebrew, as I'm sure many of you know, is based on three-letter root words. And the Hebrew root for to bless is barach, beit resh kaf. It is also, interestingly, the Hebrew root for the word to kneel. This is no accident. 
but connects the heart attitude of kneeling before God in humility to receive the gift of God's blessing. I think we are most aware of and receptive to God's blessings when we are humble, kneeling in dependence and awe before the Holy Lord. Now, the second faulty conclusion of our hearts in the face of material blessing is that we tend to grasp at the things as though they were the end in themselves instead of the means to an end. When we do that, our hearts become greedy and our hands become so full of things that we cannot take the outstretched hand of God. And so we miss the true blessing. But thanks be to God that he does not give up seeking to bless us in spite of our grasping at what C.S. Lewis called broken toys. Indeed, the whole story of the Hebrew Bible is that God is faithful to his people even when we are unfaithful to him, blessing them even when they turn their backs on him. But then, in an overwhelming expression of his faithfulness, God brought our material nature, together with his divinity. And God the Son became human and dwelt among us as one of us. The true blessing came to us so that we could take his hand physically and go with him. And here we come again to that Hebrew root of both to bless and to kneel. Only now we see the overwhelming truth that it is not we who knelt, who became humble, but it was Christ Jesus, God the Son, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the form of a slave, being born in likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Which brings me to the final semantic connection of the word blessing. Our English word blessing comes from a very old Proto-Germanic word, bladison, a religious word that meant to make holy with blood. There on the cross, the words of the priestly blessing were fulfilled as Jesus lifted his face to us. And as the sky was darkened, we could only see the face of our God and Savior shining upon us. And he poured out his blood to make us holy.
he gave his life to bless us. He became humble to give us the blessing of forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with the Father. So what is blessing? He is blessing. The cross is blessing. It is not a shop-worn platitude that we roll out when someone sneezes. Blessing is a person. It is Jesus. Blessing is his work. That he would be nailed to the cross. That he would pour out his blood to make us holy. That he lifted his face to shine upon us. To give us the grace of reconciliation with God. Blessing is material inasmuch as he reached out his hand that we might take it, that he might lead us into the ultimate promised land where we would be free to worship and be in the presence of our God without fear, without want. When we talk about blessing, that is what we mean. It is Jesus who gave his life for us. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May you know him. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you accept his blood shed on the cross that reconciled you to the Father. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you know that he is the way into the ultimate promised land in the presence of God forevermore. May you know what blessing is in him. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.